Good morning to you at BCF. It's uh, good to see you again. I'm really thankful to God for this uh, privilege to share something from the Word of God with us today. The title of the message today is Joseph's Journey Through the Darkness Into Fruitfulness. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you and we, for your word. We invite, Lord, your presence to fill this place, fill our hearts, and fill this word to whoever is hearing it, Lord. We ask you to bless the transmission of this message. And we ask you to be with us, to quicken us, Lord, enable us that we may hear the voice of your spirit to each of our lives today. In these difficult times that we are in, you are Lord, you are sovereign, you are almighty, all powerful, and you will have your way in us, in our lives, Lord. And so we look to you to bless this word to each of us in Jesus' mighty name. Now we are looking at the life of Joseph. We see his life as a kind of a lens, a kind of a lens or a light uh, into our own life, a lens into our own life to see the way that God uh, works in our lives. His own journey through in through the darkness is a kind of a spiritual roadmap that shows us the way that God is taking us through this darkness uh, that we are feeling, that we are going through, that we are facing uh, right now. This uh, very dark, very uncertain times. They are very chaotic. There's also a lot of confusion. There's a lot of uncertainty that fills uh, the 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 air today. And uh, looking at the life of Joseph, we will find that his life is fraught with a lot of contradictions. Right? His life is fraught with a lot of contradictions. And we find that even though God has given him a dream in chapter 37 and in chapter 39, we find this phrase mentioned for the first time, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him and blessed him and gave him favor. And yet, he experienced being cast down, falsely accused. He experienced hardship, hard time. He experienced a very uh, very unjust circumstances in his life. He was abandoned. He was uh, betrayed by his own brothers as well. And there were a lot of forces working against Joseph. But Joseph experienced God through this dark tra- trail that he was uh, cast into beyond his control. You find that um, the first thing I like to talk about is there are two kinds. There are two kinds of tunic that Joseph wore. There are two kinds of pit that Joseph was in. There are also two kinds of uh, Joseph's experience of this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. You find this especially mentioned in chapters 39 of Genesis in uh, verses 2, verses 3, and all the way to the end in verses 21, as well as uh, verses 23. And so there are two kinds of the Lord's presence with us. Now Joseph experienced um, this blessedness, uh, this gift from his father. He wore this tunic of many colors. And this tunic of many colors was for Joseph 
a symbol uh, of his standing in the family. And this tunic represented many, many things to Joseph and it spoke volumes for Joseph's life. So, so wherever Joseph went, he wore this tunic with him because this tunic symbolized the hand of Jacob upon his life. That Joseph was the favorite, the untouchable. He is the one with the special status, the special privilege. And so as Joseph wore this tunic, he knew that he was secure. He felt secure. There was the father's protection there. His status was there. And his identity was also in this tunic, found in this tunic that he wore. So wherever he, Joseph went with this tunic, People, the workers, the slaves, the servants, the community, etc. knew that Joseph had a special standing in his relationship with his father. And as long as he was uh, under this beautiful cloud of the father's favor, he was safe. Under the shadow of Jacob, Joseph felt that his future was secured and bright and things would go well with him. All right. So he need not be afraid of his older brothers and uh, whatever else. And so under this cloud of uh, uh, the father's blessing, there was another blessing, another favor that came upon Joseph's line. And that came upon him from God when God gave him dreams. And so when Joseph experienced these divine encounters with God, he thought that, wow, I got my father's favor upon me and now I have the favor of God Almighty upon my life. So Joseph must have felt or thought at least that now he has got double portion, that his life is, uh, his, his future will be bright as well as secure and sealed because not only is the father's favor upon him, but God's divine favor was also upon him. You know, sometimes as Christians, we can be cherry-picking Christians. We can just choose those things that we like and those things that we think we, we want from God and the good things in life, like a good life. And sometimes we just focus on the good things in life that we desire God to give us. And we just pray along those lines and thinking that, you know, in a very materialistic kind of a way, that God will bless us, give us favor, give us a good life. Uh, but we may not want too much of the God life, especially one with a big cross on our back, because having too much of the God life will mean that, and we are afraid that we will have less of the good life. We will have less of the kind of life that we envision and dream for ourselves. And ironically, we want all of God and yet we are afraid to give all of ourselves to Him. And that is a common trait and experience for most of us, if not every one of us. So God, in order to fulfill, to make Joseph fruitful in the things that God has called jo Joseph into, God had to step into his life. And this is not just the dreams that God gave him. God had to step in into Joseph's life and take hold of him and free him from his arrogance, free him from the false sense of security that was rooted in his special 
relationship and status with his father Jacob that was rooted in this tunic that he had which nobody else had in the family and God had to step into his life and free him from all these false from his false uh, identity and uh, allow him to be cast into a situation that was much bigger than him that is beyond him to control and i think that as we look at this global pandemic that we are all in we are we have all been cast into a situation and a circumstance that is so so much bigger than us that we have no resource to control that we have no power over it's like a kind of a pit that we have all been thrown into and in this loss of control in facing this situation that is beyond us god is using it to bring us to a complete end of ourselves he has to bring us to a complete end of ourselves and take the oil out of our oil fields so to say and strip away from us all those things within us that we think is our security that gives us our security and take to strip away from us all those things which we rely on our own confidence our skills our success our accomplishments our wealth our bank account our training as well as our experience or even our anointing and our special giftings that we have developed over the years in in our life and so god's process for jacob began at the pit from the pit onwards the god was taking joseph on a long journey and was stripping him of everything that joseph thought he was with the tunic everything that joseph thought he was with the tunic and with his special relationship was with jacob his father those very things that gave him an identity a certain ground to stand on a ground of certainty and confidence and security that gave him hope for the future that gave him strength in himself all those things that which he relied on was completely taken away from him even his divine encounters the dreams that he received from god the moment he was thrown into the pit all his hope that these dreams will ever come to pass were given a decent burial these were forces these things that took place in his life when his brother cast him into the pit these were forces that were beyond joseph's uh control at one moment just like for all of us today in an instant everything that can be taken away can be taken away at an instant all our hopes and dreams can just come down crashing and we see this in joseph's life one moment everything was coming his way and the next moment at an instant everything is taken away from him but in the midst of all this in the midst of all these painful circumstances that we are facing and going through the lord is sovereign god is mighty god is completely in control you know the thing about joseph is this one thing we can see is that every dream or vision that comes from god may have and most likely have a pit around the corner a pit around the corner when joseph's 
journey through, through the darkness began from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison as well as to the palace. We find that the rough patch, the rough and harsh and difficult, uh, painful contradictions that he went through seems to show us and tell us that when our life is like this, most likely we are moving in the right direction. Most likely like Joseph. The first time we go through it, it's very painful. The first time we go through a journey like this, where things are being taken away from us, uh, things are being stripped away from our lives, and we are going through this very, very dark tunnel of uncertainty, hopelessness and despair, we will think this, that we will never be able to come out of this. No matter how many inspiring messages we hear of how God took others out of this dark tunnel, out through this darkness, into fruitfulness, when we listen to such inspiring stories, we will tell ourselves and feel that it can never happen to me. That's how despairing it can be when we are going through it ourselves. And when we go through it the second time, we are more hopeful with a, with a measure of hope, grace, and strength and faith to go through it the second time because of what God has put inside us through the first time we went through it. Uh, this brings me to mind to a chapter in Romans chapter 5 in verse 3 to 4 where Paul says that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. Hope becomes a solid thing inside us, a solid spiritual substance, a deposit of God because of the fact that we have gone through this darkness and allowed God to take us through beyond the darkness, out of the dark tunnel into fruitfulness and have experienced grace and the power of God's transforming spirit and presence in our whole own hearts and God having deposited something solid inside us in our lives that gives us that kind of hope. And one of the first thing God does in introducing himself to us is he takes us through this journey, through the pit, through the darkness where things are being stripped away from us. There is a stripping process that takes place. The source of our identity the source of our hope, the source of our security, the source of our confidence, the source of our strength, etc., etc. Uh, you know, God just strips it away. Our identity is not rooted in our accomplishments. It's not rooted in our skills. It's not found in our status, etc. But our identity is found in who we are, and what, what we are becoming through God's molding, shaping, and refining process. What we are becoming through God's molding, refining, and shaping process. And that's a very powerful um, experience in our lives. So identity is also rooted in an ongoing knowledge of God as we continue to cultivate a growing intimacy with God abiding in Him, knowing that He is with us. As we keep cultivating this intimacy with Him, through prayer, 
through drawing close to God day by day, through yielding ourselves to Him, though it's very, very hard, but holding on to Him, trusting Him, and through this process, we come into a greater knowledge of God, knowing that and experiencing that He's with us, He's in us, and He is also for us. And because of that, we know this, that God is able to work all things together for good, to conform us into His likeness. This is the divine trail. This is the thing that God is taking us through. And so as Joseph was strict of his tuning, strict of his uh, relationship with his father, strict of his familiar surroundings, strict away of everything that gave him a security, a sense of identity, a sense of belonging, and a sense of who he is. Everything was stripped away from him. As all these things were being stripped away from Joseph's life, God was stepping into his life, and God was in the process of making him, recreating him into the kind of person, the kind of vessel that God has designed him to be. In the life of Jesus, Jesus also experienced a deep stripping process by the Roman guards at the end of his life. He was mocked, he was scourged, he was slapped, he was spat on, he was beaten. Towards the end of his life, just before the crucifixion, he's, he had no ministry left. He was stripped of his reputation. He was stripped of his relationships uh, with his parents, his siblings, his disciples, his community. He was stripped of his accomplishments. Nobody remembered what he did. Nobody remembered how he raised the dead, how, how he fed uh, the 5,000 with uh, five loaves and two fishes. And after he was scourged, he was nailed to the cross, all bloody, all bruised, all bleeding, and completely deformed. Isaiah says this of him. He has no form, Isaiah 53, verse 2 to 3, he has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid our faces from him, and we did not esteem him. There are times in our life, periods in our life, as we are going through this darkness, this is what it feels like. In the stripping process, we will feel that people will even shun away from us. As they did, they hid their faces from Christ. As he journeyed through to Calvary, and as they nailed him on the cross, he was all bloody. He was. Uh, he took a beating from hell. He looked deformed. He looked like a failed, bogus Messiah. He did not look like the Son of God at all. He didn't look like God's Messiah at all. He looked the opposite. And there are times as we are going through this dark tunnel, going through this darkness, we will look like this. We don't look like a Christian. It doesn't look like God is with us in our lives. It doesn't look like we have faith. It doesn't look like we have made the right decision to follow God in a particular direction in our lives. It doesn't look like we have made the right choices to honor Him, to put Him first in our lives. Just like Jesus on the cross, He didn't look like 
the Messiah. He didn't look like the Son of God, is it? He looked deformed completely. And even though he looked so deformed, so bloody, took a beating from hell, yet his identity as the perfect image of God, yet his identity as the perfect image of God was perfectly intact. Was perfectly intact. Though there was no beauty in him, he was despised, he was rejected, he was full of sorrow, he was full of grief, he was unesteemed. Nobody esteemed him at all. His works, good works, was not remembered at all in all the good things that he did. People hid their faces from him. But his identity as God's perfect, sinless likeness of God was unscathed and untouched. There are times when we are going through this, we will look like this. We will look like we are not like a son of God. It doesn't look like our life is getting anywhere. It doesn't look like we are more than a conqueror. It doesn't look like we are in good spiritual shape and God is doing something great in our lives. It doesn't look like that at all. In fact, we look like a complete disaster, like Jesus on the cross. We look like a complete failure. We look like a complete, uh, it's not happening kind of a person. And so what is this image and likeness of God like for us? What is this image and likeness of God that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, being conformed into the image and the likeness of his son? And this is God's destiny for all of us. He's bringing us along this path to not bless our ministry, so to say. All these are secondary stuff. Not to bless us with a dream home, a dream boat, or a dream car, or dream job, etc., etc. Ultimately, God's uh, ultimate purpose and destiny is to make us change us into His likeness. And in the course of doing that, to bless us, provide for us, and make our lives fruitful in the Master's hand. And so this image of God, that God is processing us, as we see in Joseph's life, is this. It is, it is the willingness, though painful, very painful, very humiliating, it is the willingness to go through suffering. The willingness to go through suffering. The willingness to suffer loss. The willingness to downgrade, downsize, to suffer deprivation, to take many blows, to be broken, to eat many humble pies, the willingness to go through all these painful stuff. The image of God, part of the image of God is like this. And that's why Jesus suffered as a suffering Messiah. And the image of God is one that is willing to suffer. He's a suffering God. He's a suffering servant. He's a suffering saviour. He's a suffering risen son of God. And so the likeness and the image of God has in its nature and character a willingness to suffer. To suffer even the death on the cross. Philippians chapter 1 verse 29, Paul says, For, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. 
Believism is not going to save us or change us. So the likeness of God, as we go through this darkness, we seem to be going through a long period where it doesn't look like our life is going to amount to anything. That's what it feels like through this tunnel, this darkness, is it? And this aspect of God's nature is very much a part of His loving uh, nature as well. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 that love suffers. John says that uh, God is love. Paul says love suffers. So by willing to go through this road, we are being conformed to His likeness and image as our attachments are being stripped away from us. The thing about God's stripping process is this. As He strips us of all those things that have become our attachments and given us a false sense of who we are, as God strips us of those things, removes our self-confidence, etc., He is also clothing us at the same time. He is also clothing us at the same time. And we find this in Genesis chapter 39. We see that in Genesis chapter 39, as Joseph was sold as a slave and went into Egypt and was sold to Potiphar's house, it says in 39 that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And towards the end of this chapter, verse 21 and 23, when Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, Joseph was cast into the prison. Uh, he was cast into the prison and he became, uh, not only a, he wasn't a slave anymore, but he was a slave and a prisoner or a criminal. And it tells us here that the Lord was with Joseph. And sandwiched between this great uh, promise and phrase that the Lord was with Joseph, we find that Joseph, sandwiched between this praise that the Lord was with Joseph, we find that Joseph experiences these painful contradictions, which are also a paradox. They are painful contradictions. They are also a paradox. How is it that God is with Joseph, has blessed him, given him divine favor, blessed Potiphar, his house, as well as what Potiphar had outside of the house, in the field, how is it, as Joseph is rising, how is it that such a tragic thing can happen where he can be falsely accused, lose his job, be cast down again? Every time Joseph was cast down, either in the pit or into the prison, he loses something, he suffers tremendous humiliation, it's a painful experience for him, I'm sure it's despairing for him, it causes him to experience hopelessness, etc. Just imagine if we ourselves were to go through something like this. And so, as he is in Potiphar's house, and he was cast down into prison, we see certain qualities in Joseph's life. The tunic that God put upon Joseph was this phrase, The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. This is the tunic that eventually became more important, the most important factor in Joseph's life, more than his promotion, more than his accomplishments, 
more than his relationships, more than every other blessing that God had for him. Even though he lost his job, his position, his status as a general manager in Potiphar's house, but God clothed him with himself. The Lord was with Joseph, is Joseph's second tunic of many, many more colors than the one that Jacob gave him. This tunic of the Lord was with Joseph, gave Joseph favor, is a source of Joseph's guidance, is a source of Joseph's future and a hope, is a source of Joseph's strength. Everything that Joseph is to enter into from God came from this relationship that Joseph had with God. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Now Joseph was also taken out of the pit. And there are two kinds of a pit. He was taken out of the pit, sold as a slave. Now imagine if he, he, as he journeyed into Egypt, went to work for Potiphar, if he continued to harbor bitterness in his heart, if he keeps thinking about vengeance towards his brothers, towards the slave traders, if he keeps harboring these bitter experiences, if he thinks about being vindictive, if he is deeply resentful, deeply uh, hurt, if he's deeply wounded and deeply angry and he's thinking of how to get back at his siblings, then Joseph would have come out of one pit and stayed or remained in another kind of a pit called the pit of bitterness. The pit of bitterness. And many Christians, many people, when they go through affliction, bad adversities, hurtful experiences, painful circumstances, find it, we all, all of us, will find it very, very hard to get out of the pit of bitterness, painful experiences, the pit of betrayal, the pit of being unjustly, unfairly treated, of being wounded, of being uh, hurt or abandoned, etc., etc. But we find in Joseph's life, Joseph has a supernatural dimension in his life, or if you like, a spiritual dimension in his life, because he never harbored this bitterness. He didn't keep this bitterness in his life. So Joseph was not only able to come out of the physical pit and come out of the physical prison, but he was able to come out of this second pit, the pit of being betrayed, the pit of being wounded, the pit of being cheated, the pit of being lied to, the pit of being wrongly accused. Joseph, each time he was cast into something despairing, painful, difficult and harsh and hard, he was somehow able to come out of it. Two kinds of tuning. Two kinds of pain. There are also two kinds of the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. This, the Lord is with us, there are two kinds. The one kind is this. In the general sense of the word, the Lord is everywhere and He is with us. Some people like to say, oh, the Lord is with me. Oh, He's just like the air that I breathe. When I pray for five minutes or ten minutes, He's there in my breathing. He's everywhere. Alright, the five minutes prayer is not going to give us this second tunic. We are not going to experience the Lord is with you or with Joseph and with us in that 
powerful, life-transforming, life-changing way if we are not cultivating the Lord's presence. If we are not, and as we cultivate this intimacy with Him, as we learn to draw near to Him through the afflictions, as we learn to find His grace, find His presence, allow His Spirit to fill our hearts, to heal us of the pain, to heal us of our own despair and woundedness, heal us of our desire to take revenge, to be hateful, to be vindictive, to, re- to harbor those pain- painful grudges. We need the grace of God. We need to find His presence. And Joseph was able to do just that. And his response through towards the adversities that he faced, his good response, his purity of heart, his faithfulness even in Potiphar's house as well as in the prison where he was wrong, wrongly cast into, his faithfulness, his diligence, his uh, purity, his good attitude is a reflection of this fact. It tells us and points us to this fact that Joseph was communing with God and finding grace from the throne of God to enable him, to empower him to rise above his adversities. This is a powerful distinguished mark in the life of Joseph. It doesn't tell us explicitly in clear terms that Joseph did this how many days? As we look and study and reflect upon his responses, we find that there is a source, there is a lifeline, there is a grace that is coming from Almighty God that is enabling him to transcend, to rise above what was what what had come against him and had wounded him and had uh, cast him down, wrongly accused him, etc. And so we find from Potiphar's house and the prison, we find that Joseph extreme experienced these two extremities in his life. In Potiphar's house, he was on the rise. He was rising. He was a zero and he became a number two in Potiphar's house. Until Potiphar trusted him completely with everything, even with the accounts book. One of the things that God will test us in is how we handle other people's money. Joseph did not make anything on the side. Neither did he take anything from the side, from the boss's treasury, as well as account, uh, from his account books. So Joseph, he experienced God's hand upon his life, blessing his work. He was rising, and as he was rising in Potiphar's house, his future looked bright. He enjoyed good food, I'm sure steak, baked potatoes with lots of nice, fresh, organic vegetables, etc. And uh, good good wine, maybe a good bed. You know, he experienced freedom. Everybody loved him. And he was also working for someone important. Potiphar was the captain of the guard in Pharaoh's uh, army. So he was someone important, someone significant. And so Joseph, can you imagine now, comes under a different shadow from the shadow of Jacob, his dad now, the shadow of Potiphar. And soon even that shadow is being stripped away from him. And then when he's cast into prison, one might think, why bother taking care of the prisoners? Why bother doing the warden's work? Why don't he just whine, do the minimum and just just stay there? Because Whatever he did, 
in the prison, he was, we find he was faithful, he was diligent, he was promoted, he took care of the prisoners, he did the warden's job, and once again we see this phrase that the warden trusted him and didn't have to look into anything that Joseph did. And as, as Joseph served the prisoners in this manner, we find this in Joseph. There is nothing to gain. There is no glory doing this kind of a work in the prison. There is no glory, there is no recognition, there is no pay, there is no salary. And worst of all, no matter how good a work he does in the prison, he is not going to get a ticket out of the prison. So there is nothing to gain. Absolutely. So why bother? Why bother? It could be that God has been speaking to Joseph through dreams. Somehow there's a line of communication. Something came from somewhere that caused Joseph to have a change of heart and a change of attitude as well, though he was cast into prison. And so we find that Joseph experienced good times as well as bad. He experienced rough times and smooth times as well as bad times. And such experiences, the good times, the difficult times, the harsh times, as well as the smooth times, the mountain times, as well as the valley times. We find that Joseph has tasted bitterness as well as sweetness. He has tasted harshness and goodness. He has tasted the grace of God. He has tasted pain and suffering. He has also experienced despair and grief and also the comfort of God and the mercies of God. And such a spectrum of experiences from the mountain to the valley enriches our soul, enriches Joseph's life, and it made, it made Joseph a better human being. It made Joseph an authentic person. And God allows such contradictions, such painful experiences, uh, He allows us to go through this to enrich our life so that we will find grace Find God, not just when times are good, but especially and more so when times are bad and difficult and events in our life has taken a sudden turn like for many of us in this global pandemic scenario. And this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph, also tells us this, that somewhere along the line, from the pit to Potiphar's house, Egypt and Potiphar's house, Joseph started to respond to God. We don't know how, we don't know in, in what way he did. But somewhere along the line, Joseph began to respond to God in the right manner. He began to yield to the sovereign work and ways of God and began to trust him. Maybe the Lord was speaking to him through dreams as, and visions. And so when it says that the Lord was with Joseph, it tells us this, that the Lord was with Joseph because Joseph was responding to God in the right manner. He was responding to God, seeking God in the way that God responded to him by God himself drawing near to God and affirming him. So the presence of God came upon Joseph because Joseph was drawing nearer to God, responding to God, yielding to God, all of his afflictions, all of his pain, all of the things that he cannot understand how he, he cannot reconcile his dreams with his afflictions and his present 
and as well as his future, but God became central in his life. And as he began to make this the highway in his life, the Lord showed up, and the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. So Joseph, along the way, he decided to respond to God. He decided to respond to God. In painful, in the path of painful afflictions that we experience in our, li- in our life and the difficult things that we have all gone through, somewhere along the way, along the line, there is a turning towards God that Joseph made. And we have to decide whether we want to live or whether we want to die. Whether we want to be buried inside the pit by these painful, difficult circumstances. Or like Joseph, we want to choose to live with no time to die. It's coming out in November. Daniel Craig, no time to die. Joseph chose to live with this spirit and attitude. I've got no time to die. And he chose to Instead of staying in the pit of despair, hopelessness and painful, accumulated painful circumstances, Joseph chose the path, the hard path, the narrow path, the path that is less, uh, less chosen by people, the path towards God. Now we can stay in the pit and listen to the painful music of our past, listening to the mu- listen to the music here has nothing to do with Doobie Brothers. And we can listen to the music of our painful past or choose to turn towards God Almighty who is sovereign over our painful pit, painful prison experiences, stripping experiences, suffering losses. There is a sovereign Almighty God who is able to work all things together for good, taking our painful experiences as His raw material and turning it into something powerful, something meaningful, something deeply fulfilling in each of our lives. That's how powerful our God is. That's how much He's able to turn and work and make what is dark, hopeless, despairing, and cause it to be the ground of our blossoming and flourishing by the grace of God. And so Joseph kept coming out of the pit, of his difficult circumstances in his life. The next point I'd like to quickly go into is found in uh, chapters 40 of uh, of uh, this uh, book of Genesis. And that's another painful experience that Joseph experienced. And in this other aspect is this. Um, he experienced the unforgettable experience of being forgotten. He experienced the unforgettable experience of being forgotten. And this is a subject along this path through the darkness. This is one of the core subjects that God will include in our learning experience, in our journey with Him. This is a core subject. It's not an elective. It's a 16 credit unit course. And uh, the background music is uh, maybe Matt King Cole's Unforgettable. Or maybe Kelly Clarkson's What Doesn't Kill You makes you stronger, whatever it is that we like. As Joseph befriended, in chapter 40, he befriended the butler, as well as the baker who were cast into prison because they had offended Pharaoh. And Joseph interpreted the butler's dream accurately. And in Genesis uh, Genesis chapter 40, verse 6, 
it tells us that in the morning Joseph looked at them, the butler and the baker, because each of them received a dream from God and he saw that they were sad. Joseph noticed them in prison, that they were down. Now jo Joseph could have in his, if you look at the negative circumstances he had just come out of, you know, he could have just not bothered. He could have been indifferent. He, he could have just mind his own business, do his own thing, don't care about uh, anything, don't care about God, don't bother about people, don't seek God anymore for anything anymore. But Joseph noticed them and he was concerned and he sought God, he sought God for the interpretation and he interpreted accurately the dream for both of them. And for the butler, the Lord spared his life and Joseph told him in chapter 14, 40 verse 14, Remember me, he told the butler. But the butler conveniently forgot about Joseph. There's a very famous American actor called John Wayne. One of his rules for life is this. He says, help someone when they are in trouble and they will remember you when they are in trouble again. Help someone when they are in trouble and they will remember you when they are in trouble again. There are people whom we have helped. You have walked walk with them. Maybe give them a financial loan. You spend hours listening to them. You visited them as they poured out their hearts, their painful experiences with you. You gave them the time of day and uh, you maybe made a recommendation for them to get a job or to get, get into college or something. And when the good times come and you are going through a difficult time, they will not remember you. There's a line in Bruno Mars' songs, uh, song in the in his song "The Grenade." I think it says it goes like this: "I will go through all this pain, take a bullet straight through my brain. Yes, I will die for you, but you won't do the same." And so Joseph learned this: that not all good deeds, kindness, will be returned in kind. But there are two important things here for us to learn, and that is this. To remember to do to others and for others what we wish someone would have done for us in our dark times, but no one did. No one did. Because no one was there for us to listen to us, to visit us. No one was there to be a friend. No one was there to help us financially, walk with us, give us the time of day and let us and just listen to us in silence and let you cry and weep and pour out your heart. And this person can give you the kind of a day because there's no such person in our life, in our darkest moment. This experience of absence leaves an indelible mark in our heart. It leaves such a mark in our hearts and we learn this. We don't want to do this to someone else. We don't want someone to experience what we had just experienced. I remember when I was in the seminary uh, many, many years ago. It was one of the most painful moments in my life. 
And that painful moment left an indelible mark in my own heart. And it changed me, it stripped many things away from me. And I told myself that I wouldn't want to see someone else going through what I had just gone through. And so Joseph, out of his painful, disappointing experiences of being forgotten and treated in a certain hurtful way, he learned to remember others. And we will see this later. So we too learn. And this is one way, why, one reason why God allows us to experience such painful experience experiences, the unforgettable experience of being Forgotten. We also learn to remember many others who were who are forgotten by others. Remember, we learn to remember others who are forgotten by others. And these others may be strangers. They may be people that we hardly know. Or we may hear of someone in need and going through a dark time. And it touches our heart. And we want to help this person in some way. Maybe visit the person. Maybe call the person up. Maybe make a financial contribution to help this person, etc., etc. And there are many orphans who are forgotten, many elderly people who are forgotten even by their own children, and so on. And so it teaches us to remember, um, to remember others, and to remember to do for others what we wish others would do for us, but in our dark times, but. No one, no one did. And so Joseph went through this. Um, Mother Teresa has this to say. He says, we think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry, naked and homeless. The poverty of being unwanted, unloved, uncared for is the greatest poverty. It's the greatest poverty. My last point is, through the darkness into fruitfulness out of the darkness into fruitfulness. So through prison, uh, throughout his prison experience, Joseph did not lose touch with God. He was able to have a good inner disposition and to res- keep responding to God and interpret dreams. And his ability to interpret dreams also tells us or points to the fact that he is able to maintain or keep his communion with God intact. He was able to keep his communion with God intact while he was in prison. And then in chapter 41, verse 14, he was summoned by Pharaoh uh, because the one who had forgotten him remembers him now. And he was brought out of prison and there was a change of clothes. They changed his clothes. There was a change of garment in Joseph's life. And this... um, This process that God takes us through, through the darkness into a place of fruitfulness, can be found in a phrase that Joseph used uh, in Genesis 41 verse 52. When Ephraim was born, Joseph said, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. God God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And we find that there are two important things about Joseph's change of garment. See. What happens in the land, in the time, in the season of uh, fruitfulness is this, is this. 
As we journey through the darkness, we learn the, the very important fact about finding grace. Finding grace in the darkness to empower us, to enable us, to heal us, to fill our hearts, to cleanse us, heal us of our woundedness, our pain, our bitterness, our despair, and to fill our hearts with hope. And as we go through this process, God will bring us through this and the time will come when there is a change of garment or a change of clothing. The change of clothing in Joseph's life was God's timing, God's stepping into Joseph's life to remove the reproach of Joseph's past. As God steps into our lives to remove the reproach of what we have been suffering, the stigma, his stigma of being wrongly accused, unjustly treated, betrayed, forgotten, stripped, he suffered loss, abandoned, he was squeezed, he was mistreated, etc., etc. And the reproach of suffering, the reproach of, of going nowhere, of being looked down upon. And uh, it looked like all his prophecies were given a burial. It looks like his uh, calling had been cremated. The time now when God changes Joseph's garment is when he steps in and he removes this reproach from Joseph's life as well as in our life. This change of clothing was also God's time of clothing God's way, of clothing Joseph with his affirmation. God summoning Joseph, opening a new door for him, a new season in his life, was God's way of affirming him and vindicating him and affirming the fact that the journey that Joseph was in, the way that Joseph has been responding to God, was the way that God uh, uh, was pleased with. Joseph, it affirmed Joseph's responses towards God, that Joseph was responding in the way, uh, in the right way towards God. And that the decision that he made, the fact that he kept his heart pure, was God's way of affirming him and caused God to remove the reproach from Joseph's life. And also another thing about this season of fruitfulness is this, it's that all the things that Joseph went through during the period of darkness, when he experienced the grace of God, when he learned to find God in the darkness, in the dark time, and learning to draw near towards God, Joseph, by doing so, experienced a certain kind of deposit, spiritual deposit into Joseph's life. And the things that God deposited into Joseph's life are the things that is going to cause God to use Joseph. So the hard times were times where things were being deposited in Joseph's life. And Joseph learned. And one of the things that Joseph learned in uh, in, in his hard times was this. He learned to forget. In chapter 41 and verse 51, when Manasseh was born, Joseph says this, God has made me, has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. One of the signs of fruitfulness is this, we learn to forget. We learn to forget by forgiving offenders. Those who have afflicted us, those who have wronged us, those who have been harsh towards us, those who have, 
have unjustly treated us, those who have forgotten us. We see here in the season of fruitfulness, we see this fruit in Joseph's life. This fruit of his fruitfulness is he bore no grudges. He didn't go after those people who wounded him. And he was healed of his wounds and his hurts. So he didn't go after Potiphar and his wife. And when he saw his brothers later on, he didn't cast them all into prison and bind them with chains. So Joseph did not bear any grudges. And he says this, God has made me forget all my toil. God was still central in his life when he was promoted as the number two in Egypt. And Joseph's experience this grace of God that enabled him to overcome all the things that people, all the wrong things that people did to him in his life. And so much so that when he saw his brothers, he could say this in the end, after Jacob died, they were hesitant that Joseph would continue to be good and kind towards them. And Joseph assures them by saying this, but as for you, in Genesis 50 verse 20, but as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. All of his suffering became redemptive because all of his suffering met, came and encountered the grace of God, the presence of God. And in the presence of God, the grace of God, the power of God is experienced so much so that deep within Joseph's heart, all these painful afflictions and injustice has become a ground of, of forgiveness, a ground of forgetting the past, and his heart has been healed, and he is able to do good towards his siblings when he sees them. And so, suffering alone, many people go through suffering, but they are not changed. Suffering alone doesn't change a person. In fact, suffering alone can harden our hearts. It can cause us to become increasingly cynical and sarcastic over time. It can cause us to walk away from God. But in Joseph's life, we find that suffering, he didn't just experience great suffering, but his suffering encountered the grace of God by cultivating a heart that is yielded towards God, that learns to yield, trust God, a heart that is seeking to be close with Him, to draw near towards God, a heart that is able to find God in the worst kind of adversities. And when we go through that, and our painful circumstances, our sufferings and pain are brought into the presence of God, we encounter the grace of God that heals our hearts, our painful experiences becomes redemptive. And we can say to others this, you have trampled upon me, but God meant it for good. You didn't speak up for me, but the Lord meant it for good. You abused your power and your position towards me, but the Lord meant it for good. You lied to me. You, you withheld what was due to me, but the Lord meant it for good. You treated me like an idiot, but the Lord meant it for good. Fruitfulness is the work of God. Fruitfulness is a change of heart that exhibits itself, that is seen in our ability to forgive as well as to forget. 
When a person goes through this dark tunnel and comes out the other side, we find that God will change our heart and the way we look at things. We will no longer look at ministry in a selfish or self-centered way. We no longer look at other people and think about how we can use them to benefit ourselves. We no longer exploit others. We no longer look down on those who are not doing well. But our heart changes. And one very powerful incident in uh, Joseph's life is seen in this, in chapter 47. During the time of famine, Joseph tells the people of the land in Egypt. You know, Joseph gave them seed. And Joseph told them this, that when you harvest, after you have harvested uh, these seeds, and you, you have reaped your harvest, give one-fifth to Pharaoh and keep four-fifth for yourself, for your household, for your servants, as well as for your children. Well, what a great employer. Who wouldn't want to work for a boss like this? Who is thinking about you, thinking about your household, thinking about your children, so that they will have no lack. Now Joseph, if he was corrupted, if his heart was not changed, if he was greedy, if he was thinking about himself, would have told the people this, you give one-fifth to Pharaoh, give one-fifth to me, and you keep three-fifths for yourself. But instead, he says, you give to Pharaoh one-fifth, and you keep four-fifths for yourself. What a change in his heart. Incorruptible. Many people, when they are promoted, they experience blessings from God. They experience God taking them, giving them abundance, providing for them, opening something great for them. They become corrupted by their success, accomplishments, by the blessings even that God gives to them. So, there are two uh, tunics, there are two kinds of pit we can choose to stay in, or we can choose to turn towards God, learn to find grace, and get out of the pit as quickly as you can. If getting out of the pit is a painful struggle, and it is also a process. And as we learn to respond to God rightly, the Lord is with you, becomes a personal experience in our lives. Those circumstances are difficult and hard, and things are being taken away from us. But the Lord is with you, becomes more precious than the things that are being taken away. That's the most powerful tuning. That's the most powerful garment that God put on Joseph right to the end of his journey. So much so that his life has influence. His life has got significance. His life is deeply meaningful. He experiences reconciliation. He experiences God's provision upon his life as well as for other people's life because of his journey and how he responded to God in the right manner. I'd just like to leave this with you and the Lord bless you all. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just thank you for this word. We just pray that, Lord, you will speak to our hearts by your spirit, wherever we are, and be with us. Encourage and strengthen us. Let the light of your spirit shine upon our hearts as we read through the story of Joseph's life. We ask you to enlighten us and show us the light of 
your way in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.